The uh, scripture for this morning uh, comes from Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 10. Again, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. It's not very often that you, I look up what I had to look up this week. I was looking up the phrase, being out of your tree. So I would ask you a very rude question to start this message this morning. Are you out of your tree? I saw a comparable phrase that it referred to, which is also to ask, are you out of your gourd? Well, we're talking about trees this morning, not gourds. But this story of Zacchaeus is a very, very common. It's one of the most common ones in all of scripture and all of the New Testament because um, it's, it's unique. And the problem with the story is that we get caught up into the humor of it and to some of the, 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 the distinctives of the story of, here's a guy who was short. Man, can I identify with that. Uh, but I'm gonna suggest this morning that this is not just a cute little story about this short man. It's actually a story about all of us because all of us are short and can't see over the crowd if you get the meaning of that. In some way or another, we are short-sighted, we are short on patience, we are short in so many different ways. In Zacchaeus's case, his being short and this whole story is really about the central message of Christ's whole mission. So one way to think about this particular moment in which Zacchaeus's life was really changed is to think about if, if you were to reflect on what divine appointments could you point back to? Can you say, Oh, I remember this happened and God was there. Something happened and I was really, there was something amazing that happened inside in that encounter. There was a story out of South America that paints this similar picture. There was a 66-year-old Brazilian man who was driving his truck down the road and he heard a child screaming and he stopped his truck 
and ran into the brush close to the river and found his own grandson, eight-year-old Matthias, was completely in the grip of a very, very large anaconda snake. Had wrapped itself around him and literally, as he said, he was squeezing the life out of my grandson. Took him a half an hour to throw, hit, hit it with rocks. He got his machete and he finally was able to kill the snake and get it off of his grandson who survived and did very well afterwards. Now, we say, well, what are the odds? We say, well, it was, maybe it was close to his home anyway. It's very likely. The timing of it, all of that, we are so quick. I, I, I want to tell you another story about a lady who was, she had appointments all day long. She was busy, and she had, the first thing was to go to the doctor, and the doctor had a delay, and so the doctor is, is, is taking more time than she expected, and she had to go to, to Walmart and get something there, and then she had to pick up her, grand, her, her child, her daughter, and then she had to, to go and do this and that, and at the end of the day, she had to get to a Bible study at church. And she was in such a hurry, and she's driving up to Walmart, and as she describes it, the heavens opened up, and rain just dumped down upon everything. And she's thinking, if I have to get out of the car and I'm in a hurry, I'm going to be absolutely drenched, and there was no parking place close. And so she was praying to God. She was praying, God... Could you open up a space? Could, could, I, could it be close to the building so I don't have to get soaked? And so just as she's coming around down the one row, here's a car, the closest possible place that she could park to the door, right beside the handicapped spots. And she saw the taillights turn on and the car starts to back out. And as the car backs out, she says, never mind, God, something opened up. <laughs> now that is us. Now, honestly, don't you think that we end up saying, well, it could have happened anyway. It could have been that way. It was just, well, what a great coincidence. It wasn't that God is actually in control of things. It's not that God did it. I don't know what God did in the timing of that person that backed out of the parking space. I think that's not, a, that's not really relevant. The question is, we seek God and we ask for something, and then we act surprised almost if God answers. And here was the situation that Zacchaeus, what, what was, you know that something was going on for him. Now, let's, let's back up just a little bit and give a little bit of, of a, a background to what was going on for him. Well, first of all, how many of you know the, the Zacchaeus song? Because we, we, we tend to diminish the power of this story almost by this song. 
Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Some of you could probably sing this. And when the Savior passed by that way, or passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, and I will just tell you, I remember this as a kid. We loved this part because we yelled with all our voices, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. And... Uh, for I'm coming, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. We just yelled that out. Zacchaeus, come down. You got to come down to go up. A divine appointment. We, we see that Zacchaeus was ready for something different. Now, Zacchaeus was, uh, you know, there's actually a Zacchaeus day that in many church traditions, the last day before the beginning of the Easter season is called Zacchaeus Day. And they, they t will read this story and celebrate this story for two reasons. One is that him coming down from the tree was a symbol of the humility of Christ coming down from heaven. And, and the second thing about it was that it, re it reflected uh, repentance on Zacchaeus's part. And so those are the two reasons that the church celebrates that. The city of Jericho, Jericho was a, a veritable Eden, uh, an absolute uh, beautiful place, the best of everything. It was a thoroughfare for traffic and trade, and it was a place that was incredibly wealthy. In fact, uh, Mark Anthony actually gave uh, Jericho as a gift to Cleopatra. And so this was a, an, an amazing place. And here was Zacchaeus, a Jew who was now hired by the invading armies of the Roman Empire and who basically was a tool for collecting their taxes. He had the ability to stop anybody. Now, can you imagine this? That we wouldn't be having a pastor appreciation day if, if pastors would walk by you in the foyer and go, yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be $10 for, for wearing that sweater. <laughs> you know, the, the authority he had was to stop anybody for any reason he deemed and to charge people and to fine people. He was considered corrupt. He was loathed by all of the other Jewish people. They saw him as a traitor. They saw him as someone who had totally sold out everything and was just bilking people for money after money after money. And so he was not a very popular person. And it's probably a safety factor for him to not be in the crowd because he probably would have gotten bumped around, except nobody would have touched him because then they'd turn around and find him again. And so people did not like Zacchaeus. Uh, he was considered a traitor. He was considered someone who was a tool of the, the invading armies and the, the, uh, the government that was in charge. Interestingly, his name means the pure one or righteous. Now, just to put aside here, how many people are using the name of Jesus 
today in our culture and doing things in the name of Jesus, doing things under the banner of being a Christian that is not particularly helpful to other people, beneficial, scriptural. How many people are using scripture in the name of Christ to do what they want to do? It's, it's sad, and it puts the church into a real predicament. The dilemma that we're in politically, culturally, socially, we're in this dilemma in which people can do just about anything they want and they wear the name of Christ as if it somehow shields them. It's undermining. And that's part of why people were upset with Zacchaeus because he wasn't pure and he wasn't innocent and he wasn't particularly righteous to the other believers uh, that were around him. There's, there's a few things I just want to highlight quickly this morning. The first one is this. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you consider yourself in a tree right now. I don't know if you're seeking. I don't know if you're just a bystander along the route and melting into the crowds. Uh, I'm not sure where you see yourself. But I do know this, that everybody is looking for something. Everybody is looking for something that helps make sense of this world. And I also know this, that there are many, many people who are finding it in the wrong places with the wrong people at the wrong times and then wonder why things aren't going well. So the first thing is simply this. God meets us where we are. This idea that you have to get perfect the idea that you have to get to a certain level of spirituality, uh, the idea that now with the prayer calendar, as the leadership board has now mandated, I'm, I'm being facetious here, don't take me literally, the idea is that the leadership board and the pastors together are now mandating that every one of you every single day spends at least 10 minutes in prayer for every name or event on that prayer calendar. No, we're not doing that. But the, the fact is that, that we, we serve a God that doesn't start with where we should be. He starts and meets us where we're at. Jesus met Zacchaeus where he was up in this tree. It wasn't simply his short stature that made him go up in the tree, I believe that there was something else. There was something that he was looking for. There was something that wasn't right in his life. There was something he just knew this was wrong. He knew it was wrong. And we, we can learn from that to say, what do I need to, to look at in my life, in my attitudes, in my relationships what do I need to look at and what do I need to address that is not where I want it to be and we may be up in a tree we may be stuck in the bushes we may be lost in the back roads I'll never forget one time I was driving through Michigan and I couldn't find the address this was for before GPS by the way 
and I got caught driving through some county roads and then all of a sudden I'm on a dirt road and I am in a very thick woods, a narrow lane, and I suddenly have two pickup trucks and I can see the shotguns mounted in the back of their cab and they're following me very closely. And I was scared. We get lost. Now, praise God, they didn't stop me, but they followed me till I got back on onto the main road and kept going. We get in positions where we get lost and we get worried and God meets us there. And God comes to us and says, maybe he says this, are you ready now? Do you want to change? Do you want, are you ready to get on board? Are you ready to sign up for my GPS? Are you ready to sign up for my spiritual positioning system of, uh, of faith and, and trust and a relationship with me where you'll follow me and walk with me and I'll lead you and I'll guide you. Are you ready? I believe that Zacchaeus was so ready. He wanted to see Jesus so badly because he knew things were not right in his life. And secondly, God schedules divine appointments we decide if we're going to go. I'm delinquent on my latest dental appointment because I had to cancel it and I haven't rescheduled. The appointment is always there for me. Am I going to go? Are we going to go to the appointments? Are we going to look for the appointments? Are we willing to look? I mean, think about how embarrassing it was for him to even have to climb into the tree uh, above everybody else who he knew already hated him and he stood out even more but he so wanted to see Jesus because he wanted a change in his life we have to decide that we're first of all willing to climb into a tree get ourselves into a position to be able to see Jesus and hear God's voice because if everything was right we wouldn't be looking um and it's sad because you all know people who say, well, I want a change, but I'm just not willing to go there and get it. And I know it's such a temptation. It is for me, to be really honest. It's, it's such a temptation sometimes to say, well, how's that working out for you? Because it usually doesn't work out very well. God meets us where we are. God schedules divine appointments they're, I believe, around us and, and with us every day. For us, every day, we've got to choose to go and we've got to choose to look. Third, take a risk and come down. Come down from where you are to a better place. Be willing to actually move. You know, what's interesting about this story was that Zacchaeus didn't say, oh, no, wait, you don't have to come to my house. And he, wasn't, and he didn't say, well, give me some time to go clean up first. Or he didn't say any of those things. He was receptive immediately to the idea of Jesus coming. And this was, by the way, the only time in all of scripture that Jesus actually invited himself to someone's house. He'd never done this. And we don't have any record of that anywhere else in scripture. It wasn't that he wasn't in people's houses, but he didn't invite himself to go. And Zacchaeus was immediately receptive to the idea. He was 
willing to come down from the tree and move to a better place. You know, in, in scripture it said, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. He wasted no time, scrambled down, was happy to welcome him, uh, and no one came calling for Zacchaeus unless it was to complain. You can understand why he was almost excited because he was so hated, no one would ever come to his house in, in a friendly way. And so that was exciting for him. We, but we have to be willing to give up the old stuff and move into the new. And finally, uh, we need to reconcile the, the wrong with, with right. We need to change behaviors. We need to change direction. We need to fix the wrongs and the hurts. We need to mend and heal relationships. We need to find a better place of what is right and uh, what is loving and what is joyful and what brings peace. Carol started this morning talking about peace. This is another example of it. You know, we can, we can have all kinds of friendships, but if there isn't peace with, with someone, it just works on us and debilitates us. So we, we really do not know what happened at Zacchaeus' home. But all we see are the results. First, he decided to give half his yearly income to the poor. And secondly, to return any stolen funds four times over. That's a big return. Jewish law would have, would have uh, required a certain percentage to make compensate for somebody being wronged. But not this much by any means. This was way, it was more than double what they were required to. And so it was more than generous and unexpected. Jesus changes how we see things. That's why I want to just continue to give a real caution. We are in an age of information. Accessible at our fingertips. Sitting in a hospital waiting room the other day looked around the circle of, of other guests that were all there, and it was pretty largely silent. Most people, almost everyone, was sitting there. Yeah, you got to get out of that tree. You got to stop depending on particular news stories or news channels that just enthrall you, and they work on you, and then we wonder why our stress levels are so high, because... You know, we're reading all of this vitriolic language and, and attacks and all of this. And, and now, I, lest I be a judge, maybe everyone in that waiting room was on their Bible app. Maybe so. Maybe so. I hope so. And that, that is, it is an amazing tool to be able to have the word of God right there. Uh, and so I, I affirm that. So who knows? But the point is that all of this stuff goes around us. And the question I will ask and leave it there for you to discuss maybe later. How do we know the truth between all of these stories and information blitzes? And when do we come back to scripture and say, thy word is truth? When do we come back to scripture and say, 
and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And, and remember that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to center back on the essentials of God, come back to the divine appointments that God has already laid out for us in, in his word and, and that he promises the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit to provide for us every day. That's the kind of information, that's the kind of input that we need to be feeding in rather than all of this other stuff that we see around us. And so um, we are really called we are really called to reconcile the wrong with the right, not just because of, of having wronged someone, but these divine appointments have been common through Scripture. Just listen to this, this list. We see all through Scripture that people had divine appointments. God met Moses on the mountain. He met the disciples on, mount, on the Mount of Transfiguration. We find that God met with David and Elijah in a cave in God's appointed place and time for them. In the middle of a raging storm in the sea, God has a, had a divine rendezvous with his disciples, walking out on the water to meet them. Moses saw the burning bush ablaze by the fire of God in the arid desert wilderness, and it was God's set place and time to meet with him. God comes to the tent of Abraham and Sarah, the barren old couple who had no children. Gideon was hiding in a wine press from his enemies, trying to get some food for his family when God met him there. And Saul had a little meeting on the road to Damascus. And God was clearly there because it's how he got his name changed, Saul to Paul. And his whole life changed. And finally, the heavenly father met Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane shortly before his illegal arrest and met him there and had an encounter with him. As has often been quoted, God's will has an address. God's will has an address. And we need to go there. And we need to go to that address. Um, There are so many times that we are called through scripture to be generous and to look at every opportunity that we have. It really does take courage to come down from that tree. It takes courage for us to open up and be willing to seek a better situation and a better life. But God will work with us. And so we should go into every day saying, God, I'm not sure how I'm going to encounter you today, but I am so looking forward to it. And I will get up in a tree if if I have to, to be able to meet you wherever you want to meet me uh, and, and help me see you at work in and around me. And, and when we do that, um, I think we're going to experience something really significant. We don't know in the smallest of ways the things we can do, how it's going to impact people's lives. But I'll tell you one of my, I, I, for some reason, I've always enjoyed certain monk stories. And this is one of them that is one of the most powerful. I don't know if you've ever heard of somebody by the name of Telemachus. Telemachus was a monk. And this is back in the gladiator days. He lived in the fourth century. And he, um, 
he felt God saying to him, go to Rome, go to Rome. And so he left his little quiet cloistered monastery and went to Rome. He put his possessions in a sack and took off. When he arrived in the city, people uh, were thronging in the streets. And he asked them what all the excitement was. They told him it was the day the gladiators would be fighting and killing each other in the Colosseum. The day of the games, the circus. It was the biggest event in town, 80,000 people. He thought to himself, four centuries after Christ, and they are still killing each other for enjoyment? He ran to the Colosseum, and he heard the gladiators saying, Hail to Caesar! We die for Caesar! And he thought, this is not right. And at one point, he couldn't contain himself. He jumped over the rail, and he ran in and positioned himself between the two gladiators and and yelled loudly as he held up his hands, In the name of Christ, forbear! And they looked at him like he was out of his mind, and the crowd began to yell, and the crowd said, Run him through! Run him through! And you know what that means? For those of you that don't, it means put your sword all the way through him and kill him. Get him out of there. And let the, the games commence. A gladiator ran over and hit him in the stomach with the back of his sword. It sent him sprawling in the sand. And he got up and he ran back and again said, In the name of Christ, forbear. And the crowd continued to chant, run him through, run him through. And one gladiator finally came over and plunged his sword through his stomach. And as he was bleeding there on the ground and dying, he yelled out one more time, in the name of Christ, forbear. There was a silence that came over the crowd. And it started with one man standing up and leaving. And then another and another. And before long, 80,000 had exited the arena. Everyone left. That was the last recorded gladiator games of that kind ever recorded in the history books. Because of the courage of a divine appointment where he was called to Rome for one purpose, to give his life in order to lift up the name of Christ. And as he lifted up the name of Christ to make sense out of the madness of that world at that time, we are also called in our world to make sense out of Christ overcoming all of the garbage around us and all of the sin and all of the brokenness and all of the hurting that people go through. And we are called in the name of Christ and in the willingness of even being a martyr to say, I will not hesitate to say, in the name of Christ, forbear. In the name of Christ, we live. In the name of Christ, love wins over evil. That is our divine appointment a better place for us to be. Amen.